Welcome to Circle Around. On this podcast, we hope to see, analyze, reflect, and respond better to our context by asking meaningful questions that lead to better questions. Our conversation is aimed at helping believers make sense of their world and then reimagine a new way of responding faithfully with full presence to the challenges of our urban society. We are your hosts, Lisanda and Mahlanzi Mashur. We are in Eraundini, Circle Around, where we get to have these cool conversations, where I get to have these cool conversations with, with you, and we invite others into how we talk about uh, some of these issues. Mm. Now, uh, we'd like to start by reflecting on the incarnation and reflecting on that scripture, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, speaking about this idea of uh, a God who looks at the mess that we've created as human beings and the mess that we've made of the world. And, and instead of staying outside, uh, he comes into the world, he comes into the mess, he becomes intimately involved at the rescue mission, the greatest rescue mission in the whole world actually is about God coming to be with us in, in, in the mess uh, of the world. And, and in that, he, he participates uh, in, in our pain. He, he understands very intimately what it means to live in a broken world where things are no longer working as he intended them to, to, to work. Uh, and, uh, but at the same time, his, his very presence uh, is a counter to that mess because he introduces hope and a, and a new way and a new way uh, of, of, of thinking and seeing and, and experiencing the world. And so we live in this place where we are in between the pain, in between the, the hope, uh, experiencing them both in, in, in this world that we live in because of God's intervention, because of this great incarnation event. But it's not just also this idea that uh, it's a spiritual truth, but it's literally that God came you know, to be in the world, uh, that he came in the flesh to be in, he was born at a particular time, in a particular place, in history, yes. in this world, right? First century uh, uh, Jerusalem, he comes in and, you know, you can sort of imagine him in a, uh, living in a, in, in a real town uh, with real people uh, walking and his feet gathering real, real dust, um, and, you know, my favorite story as I read the Gospels is a story where he's 12 years old and his parents and his family, they all go up to Jerusalem and for the Passover and they're returning from Jerusalem, they're coming back home and a day later they realize that he's nowhere to be found yeah. in, 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 the, in their midst. And so they panic and they go back to, to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they find him. Now, for them, he's been lost, but the contrast in, is that he, he, if in his mind, he's not lost. In his mind, he's home. Because the conversation they have is, you know, yeah, where have you been? And, you know, you, thank God that we found you, and now let's go home. And he doesn't seem to get what the fuss is about because he goes, I had to be in my father's house. Mm. And so yeah. there's, a, there's a, you know, you think there's home. Home is, you know, one way I, I think I found home where, where it is. And so there's a sense of uh, uh, almost like this dual consciousness of where do you belong that he experiences as a 12-year-old. Yeah. But now coming back to this concept of experiencing both 
the pain as well as also the hope uh, in this world because of this great incarnation uh, event where this past week, Lusanda, have you experienced the pain of living in a broken world and where have you seen uh, the hope uh, or where God's kingdom is breaking through? That's excellent. Thank you so much, Lati. So for me, the place where I experienced um, the brokenness uh, of this world was when I uh, listened to the radio, when they were talking about the findings from the Zondo Commission. That was particularly heartbreaking because um, in South Africa, where so many people um, are already experiencing a huge sense of displacement, where they're not affording housing or being evicted um, from their current housing, and there's such a housing deficit. Um, there's a sense of um, lack of accountability and this accumulative lack of care um, and mishandling of government funds and why that breaks my heart so much is because there was actually provision but it was mismanaged and that it's real people that mm. really uh, bear that cost especially if you're thinking about COVID at such a time it's difficult to think that um, you know there are people that can handle those resources and really serve people in their place of need um, and so that really really broke my heart in mm. terms of seeing how people can be displaced as a direct consequence of um, those in power that don't do what they're supposed to do with resources. And uh, where I experienced uh, a restoration of God's goodness was when I had the opportunity of going away with some really good friends of ours. Now I realize that rest is a luxury that many people don't have because some, sometimes when one gets to rest, um, it also means they have to forego their income. And so for many of us, I realize that rest is actually a privilege. And so when I do get to experience rest, I'm really, really grateful because there's something about rest that also insinuates that I can just exhale, I can I can uh, recuperate in a place where I feel I belong and I won't be judged. And isn't that the interesting thing about, um, about, about belonging and rest is that you get that sense of reprieve because you feel you're safe. And so uh, just taking that time to rest has, was just really phenomenal for me because um, it also spoke into the rejuvenation that I know I needed and that so many of us need and so uh, somebody said that sometimes to rest is actually in and of itself an act of resistance because you are choosing to pause so that you can be replenished, so that you can continue to do the valuable work towards God's purposes in our lives. And uh, thinking of rest and uh, belonging and how um, where we're able to rest also speaks of the place where we really, really belong. I remember a story um, that you once told about um, Papa and how he moved, his family moved to Kraskov. Can you just tell me that story again? Yeah, I think uh, for many of us, we take it for granted that the concept of home means the same for everyone. So rest, like you're saying, belonging, mm. identity, that's where your people are and all of those things. But, uh, and that's also linked to place itself. But thinking about stories of displacement is to think about what happens when those concepts that have been tethered to a place uh, get untethered violently mm. when that place is taken away violently yeah. from them, which is a history you know, of our country. So Papa tells uh, the story of how his family, uh, when my family lived in Hraskop, and in that area was uh, mixed in the sense that you had 
black people and colored people living together and, and actually that was also my family my family is is mixed in that in that sense but then the government decided to zone that area out for only colored people and that they would move black people to another area in Bushbuck Ridge, which is a uh, uh, close and which was a very hard thing because in some sense you you were tearing away uh, tearing families apart and like my family was so the colored part of my family was to stay the black part of my family had to move then to 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 Bushbuck Ridge and they describe in in detail just the moment that those trucks would would come those government uh, trucks would come you know with those letters GG I don't know what they stand for but every time my father tells that story you can still see the GG you know, uh, on those trucks, but the truck stops at your house, outside your house, and you had to drop everything that you were doing and pack all your belongings and get on and never to come back to the place that you called home and you were taken to a new place. And so if you had, if you're cooking, you'd switch off the stoves and take your hot pots and your half cooked meal, get on a truck and then move. And so my, when this happened to my family, my father was actually away at school. And so he received a letter telling him that he shouldn't come back to Hraskop. That's no longer where home is, that he should come to Bushbuck Ridge. And so what had happened was when they packed my family up and they moved them, they took them to Bushbuck Ridge. And the idea is that they would ask you where you'd like to be dropped off in Bushbuck Ridge. And if you didn't know, then you were at the mercy of the drivers to just pick a spot and say, get off, get off. And and find materials to make shelter because those wow. weren't provided. You had to just find shelter and then pick a spot and that was home. But my family was fortunate in the sense that we had a relative who worked at, uh, for the magistrate in Bushbuck Ridge, particularly in health center. So they knew at least one reference point that they could say, please drop us off there. And yeah. that's how my family got to, to live there. Uh, and there was this landmark, uh, which was a clinic that uh, eventually gave the area uh, where we live that is named Health Centre. Although we wouldn't call it Health, health Centre center. because usually we're not answering a question, um, you know, of where you're from. And that's specifically in English, you know, mm. Health Centre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in English, of course, because of the clinic, it's Health Centre. Yeah. That's what it is. And so uh, my father receiving this letter you know, telling him that he needs to go to a new place, uh, you know, talks about a time when he had to reconcile himself to the fact that he was no longer going back, back to the to, place yeah, that the was place very familiar home. to him, that he was going to a new place. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what he had to do. And so when school finished, he <clears throat> traced my family. And uh, after looking for a long time, came across someone who knew my big Nyati family and pointed them in the right direction. But again, searching, searching until he eventually found uh, found the the place where the family had settled. So you could see this place in a distance. Uh, and so pe- speaking about a sense of relief, uh, you know, this joy uh, of finally arriving somewhere that you could call home. You know, of course, you need to redefine what that is in this context. But one complication, when my family moved, they picked up a small puppy and this puppy had now grown into a big dog and which didn't know my dad, of course. And so when my dad saw the family or, you know, the gathering, he starts approaching and the dog sees him 
and my dad sees the dog and the dog then starts to chase him and he mm -hmm. has to he finds himself having to run away from this dog and so he runs and after a while you know the dog gives up the chase he's safe from the dog but he finds himself sitting on a rock and he's weeping and he's asking these questions where is home yeah. where do i belong yeah i mean that's so haunting in a sense it it feels like that question where is home where do i belong uh that question being asked by whether it's a dejected uh, picture of papa in the past or um, it's, asked, it's being asked by communities today, collectively asking, where do I belong? It's an important question. And I think um, it's also part of why the story about the Zondo Commission is so jarring for me, that there are still many in our communities, in our society that are dejected in their um, awkward places and asking the question, where do I belong? And I think uh, part of our faithfulness as a as people who follow Jesus, is to keep seeing these stories that put people back in that place. And so as much as that happened to Papa in the past, there's, there, there's something about this story that's linking it to the present. And, um, and, I, and I also, I mean, I'm quite interested also in the things that, um, that keep perpetuating whether it's our, it's, our, it's, it's our inability to see how people can still feel excluded in our present world. Um, as well as the language that we use to uh, to help people understand that they're not included and they're not welcome, but they're a visitor in this space. Um, I, I'd, I'd be very interested to know um, where, you, where you've seen that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a South Africanism, isn't it, to ask people, where are you originally from? Right? Yeah. The first question is, where are you from? And then the second question, where you're originally from. Now, in one sense, it speaks about how dynamic the concept of, I guess, a home has mm. been and is in our context. But it, it is also, I think, it, uh, um, it, it also speaks about displacement yeah. as well. There's a history of displacement in our country and, 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 and broader than that that we need to be aware of because if if we if we are not aware of the stories of displacement then we are in danger of participating in them and in so doing helping to revisit pain upon people that is contained in the story of their displacement yeah so for instance i used to you know um when i got into an uber one of the one of the favorite things I like to do, because it's usually somebody who's new that I'm meeting for the first time. I love meeting new people. Yeah. And as, a, as an introvert, I've got a bit of a script, right? I think for some people it's, it occurs naturally that you just yeah, make conversation, conversation, but I, I have to have a little bit of a yeah. script and, and think through certain questions, you know, that, that can help the conversation. But because I'm interested in meeting the person, you know, how's your day been so far? And that sort of thing. But the one question that would, would come, and I used to pride myself actually, uh, you know, that I could, I could be able to pick up where people's accents uh, were, were coming from. Yeah. So, you know, I used to say to people, so I, can, I can pick up that your accent is from such and such a country. Yes, yes, yes. Where are you originally from, right? Uh, because they've just said, I live in Cape Town. You know, where are you from? Well, Cape Town or chosen a place in Cape Town. But I can pick up from the accent 
that actually you're from such and such a country. Or if I couldn't, that's what I'd ask, you know, where, where, where are you from? And they'd be very gracious and we'd have this conversation and we'd talk about the cities and different countries and that sort of thing. The one time that I didn't do that, as we were arriving at the place, uh, at our destination, as I, as I got out of the car, the driver then turned to me and said, hey, thanks for not asking where I'm from. It was yeah. the first time we were yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was, I, was, I was very surprised, but then he went on to explain yeah. because he told me that actually his is a story of pain. He left his country fearing for his life. And, and there's no prospect of him going ever going back. Yeah. So the question, where are you from, is a story that invites him to relive and perform his trauma for me for the sake of making small talk in our conversation. And in a sense, I also have, sure. uh, you know, then I realized that, you know, what I was doing unwittingly is saying to people, listen, I noticed that your accent tells me that you don't belong here or you haven't always belonged here. So tell me where it is that you, you belong. Um, and, and I should have known and I should have seen it because it's just a story of our country where people yeah. ask you, hey, you know, you, I can, you, we notice you have an accent, you know, which school did you go to? Which, uh, which we, we, you know, which, we, where's your home? Yeah. Where do you belong? Uh, you know, we've noticed this and that about you. So, so I, I didn't realize, I didn't make that connection that that's what yeah. I, was, I was doing. So seeing, I think with a lens of displacement will help us not to participate in, uh, uh, I think, stories that dehumanize people or stories that remind people of the pain that is part of the displacement, of their displacement story. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> going back to that initial story um, of Jesus being a 12-year-old boy yeah. um, who gets uh, who gets left behind, or let me say who stays behind <laughs> in <laughs> Jerusalem against yeah. his, you know, I mean, I would be livid if my child decided, you know what, this is the choice that I'm making now for my spiritual I, um, that's let, why I keep Let me just stay behind in, in pilgrimage. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be so upset. And no, so sorry, I was just yeah. going to say, that's why I keep thinking that, you know, if Jesus had a black mom. Yeah, I know, it would be over. Would be <laughs> over. He wouldn't have yeah. had a chance to talk about his spiritual yeah. dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so then I, I thought about the fact that, like, you know, he could have um, gone back home and sulked and, uh, and then decided to disengage, right? Because this world um, meant there's another place where he can't be, right? But then um, we have a savior who came into our brokenness and experienced that longing to be in the temple and to be about his father's business, but having to go back and to be raised in a human family, experience human things, experience human betrayal, experience human loss, experience human pain, experience um, human political realities because he was living in a Roman environment that was being colonized by, uh, uh, by Rome. Well, it was, it was Jewish, but it was being colonized by Rome and there were things that were happening there that were violent for his community, but he engaged completely. And um, I'm so comforted by the idea that 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 Jesus that walked in an actual place, that lived in an actual town, um, knows what each of us experience, right? And now different ways where we experience displacement. I'm also comforted by the fact that um, he doesn't create this ex escapism of a spirituality, but he helps people to be a neighbor 
which is why I just love that um, the greatest commandment has to do with loving God and loving your neighbor. And I think that's because he came here to be neighbor, yeah. right? And to be fully present in our pain and to be uh, fully present in, um, in showing a way back because that's what the incarnation does, doesn't it? It's telling us that God came to us so that we can receive the invitation of being with him too. And, um, and I'd love just to hear from you um, in, in terms of how that, uh, the, this, this idea of uh, being neighbor in a world where displacement happens, how, how, does that, um, how, how, does, how does that story of Jesus just talk to you about how we can be better neighbors to one another? So then when the young lawyer asks, you know, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus gives him a standard that he thinks he is unable to live up to. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Interesting to me, I guess as a side note, that he picks loving your neighbor as the one that he wants to challenge. He doesn't challenge the loving God yeah, with yeah, everything, yeah. but he thinks that's easy. Um, but what is difficult is loving your neighbor and so the challenge to Jesus is but who is my, my neighbor? neighbor and then Jesus tells a story that um, that has been titled or called the good the story of the good Samaritan but at the end of the story Jesus asks the question who became a neighbor out of these the failure of those who expected right to act right in a particular way and highlighting the right behavior of the one who was not expected to, to act in, uh, rightly or to be the, the savior, the hero of the story, then Jesus says, who became a neighbor? The question was, the original question was, who is my neighbor? In mm. other words, who qualifies for to me, be, right, yeah. for me to move, or to, 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 for me to move in their direction, for me to help, for me to, to be part of their story, so that sort of thing. Yeah. But then in the Jesus's question, the subject uh, has changed. Uh, who became a neighbor? Who became a who neighbor? Who became a yeah. neighbor? Uh, in other words, how do I qualify myself in this case to be to be well, the neighbor yeah. rather than trying to find neighbor? I'm the one who have to qualify myself or show myself as a neighbor. So the story, uh, I guess it it it. It helps me in this conversation of place where we, we have said that place is not incidental when you look at God's salvific plan and story. Yeah. It's not incidental to that, but you see that it's very important. Time and time again, God uses place to even communicate to people, to locate people. I have seen, I have heard, even yeah. people in exile, for instance, you see yeah. how he, he looks at the people who are displaced and how he engages. And of course, we know that even in the story of the Good Samaritan, he's the one, and in the incarnation, he's the one who is the hero from the comes outside towards. who comes in mm. and breaks in into, into the story, right? And so place is not uh, incidental to, God, to God's plan. It invites me... To, to be able to see place uh, better. It yeah. invites me to, to understand the stories that you spoke about uh, previously that are encoded in place. Stories of pain and stories of victory and joy in order for me to be able to see people properly, to be able to engage people properly and where appropriate to see the things that dehumanize people, to, to be able to make them visible yeah. 
and to be able to resist, to be able to dismantle them. And then the things that affirm affirm, the humanity that God has already inferred uh, uh, in human beings, those things to make visible, but to 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 help sustain them, to to participate in amplifying those things so that people's lived reality and experiences can change, can improve wherever it is. That also means that Lusanda, I, I have to look into uh, space very differently. Yeah. Right? I have to think uh, about uh, what you know, who lives where and why. Yeah. And ask myself, you know, what is my role in that story? Because yeah. if I'm going to be invited into the story of uh, answering the question, yeah. am I going to be a neighbor? Then I've got to see the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, then I've got to see uh, myself as well as how can I be humanized in the process of finding yeah. my neighbor? How can yeah. I be elevated in the process of acting? like a neighbor, especially if I'm coming from a place where I've got resources or there's some privilege that I can leverage yeah. on behalf of those who don't, to, who don't have those. That's stunning. And um, I think this is exactly where we kind of, you know, circle around just to start uh, jumping off from that point to, to, to go back and say, you know what, we started at the story of the incarnation yeah. and how Jesus came near to us. And uh, you told the story of how when he was in the temple, he was living in that double consciousness. There was this double citizenship that he was experiencing and how um, God entering into our story um, very well understands where we are in terms of um, sometimes feeling we're here, we're here, but also there. And um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, there's lots of those stories that you told about South Africanisms where we don't see that we are, are using small talk or curiosity to also over communicate how people don't belong. And, um, and again, just thinking about um, what you've just shared now, like how we don't make God a willing participant or we don't allow ourselves to just go with the flow of continuing to not be reflective to ourselves about how, whether it's our access, our privileges, our resources, it's not making us ask the key question, how, how can I be neighbor better? Right. I feel that that's really an important place to land this conversation because we walk away with that, you know, where we're asking ourselves, how do we become neighbor better? Well, we've come, you know, around to this conversation beautifully. Thank you so much, Matlatsi. I, I just really appreciated some of the things that you shared. Lovely talking to you as always. It's always lovely talking to you too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting and coming full circle with us. Our conversation and growth as people of faith is ongoing. And so we'd love to keep journeying with you. Our circle around family, seeing how we can keep our cycle of faith action and reflection continuing so follow our instagram accounts and join us next week as we continue circling around